Were you cold as ice this winter, or will you be hot in the city this summer? Did you have skilled and experienced technicians look after your HVAC systems? At Soul Mechanical, their knowledgeable staff will get you running with efficient service and the right equipment. You'll be able to take advantage of their membership plans to save money in the long run. Because who doesn't like saving money? And it's way better than being cold. Consider leasing equipment to remove any hassle that normal ownership has. Do you want to learn more? On April 15th, Soul Mechanical's very own Jeremy Fetima will shed more light on what he and his technicians can do for you. Visit soulmechanical.ca to learn more. You're listening to the Prairie Contractor Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Prairie Contractor Podcast, brought to you by Dynamic General Contracting, now St. Albert's number one construction podcast. My name is Kyle Clome, and I am the owner of Dynamic General Contracting, and I will be your host in this episode. I wanted to thank you again for tuning in for this week's episode. It's a special episode for us, as this will be our first episode with a guest. First off, I wanted to get our listener mail out of the way. Got a great piece here from Apple. Looks like verifying our Apple ID. Great, great, great. Actually, we're still trying to get our podcast to upload onto Apple Podcasts. For some reason, it's proving difficult. The instructions seem clear, but I don't know. (laughs) Don't know what's up with that. But anyways... Without further ado, let's jump into our conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Dynamic General Contracting Podcast. This week, we have a special and wonderful guest joining us today. He is the owner of Dream Art Painting from Edmonton, Alberta. He's a painter and wall finisher extraordinaire, varnish and lacquer slapper, kitchen cupboard dauber, and exterior connoisseur. Please welcome Chris Novaki to our podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hello, Kyle. Thank you for having me in. No, thank you. This is like the first time I've had a, a guest on our podcast, so this is uh, this is exciting for me. Uh, hopefully, I'm not too ill prepared. I, I won't lie. I I probably that's why I was a little bit late because I was trying to get things organized for the podcast. So uh, hopefully, it's going to go pretty smooth. Um, so something people may not know about Chris is that he actually finished law school back in Croatia, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And then you made the big leap to Canada to become an entrepreneur. So to get started, tell us a little bit about the dream, the journey to from Chris in Croatia to all the way to owner of Dream Art Painting in Canada. Yeah, basically, you know, finished law school, struggled, you know, finding jobs, due to the political situation back home. And um, yeah, then one day just packed my stuff and landed. That was 2013. Yeah. And um, I started as a, as a roofer because this was my chance to, to apply for permanent residence. So I did my time for a year and a half. And then um, once I got my uh, permanent residence, I, um, I started my own business. That was 2015. Now, had you painted before? Yeah, I had like, you know, I had experience back home because I had a, you know, I run a a renovation company. So most of the the stuff was uh, painting related. But again, when, you know, things, things are different here and there. Um, (laughs) Applications, materials. So I had to start basically all over. Um, Back home, nobody uses sprayer guns, right? So that was a challenge. It's more like, do they do more like whitewashing? Uh, I don't know. Like usually, uh, what, are you, what are, you, are you talking about? Kitchen cabinets or? No, well, um, this might be an Italian thing. I was talking to a gentleman who came from Italy 
like he wasn't a painter there he came here like you to paint and he said you know what painting is like not even close to the same as as in europe mm -hmm. like in, in italy everything's essentially white so everything's like basically like a 16 inch wide brush that you dab in in a giant pail and you slap it on the wall that's right so i was just curious if that's the same in croatia well, definitely i would say, i would say painting is a, is a whole different dimension here it's it's like you know all the materials are way way better you, you can't even good you know <laughs> so materials then like tools when i when i talk to the guys back home like what what i'm using everything here you know like small tools, like taping guns and stuff, you know, they're like, they never heard about it. <laughs> I, so. I'm glad you're saying that because uh, on one project, we had this grumpy German painter on here and, and he would, he, every time he would be taking like a coffee break, he would try and stop one of us from working and tell us how everything in Canada was crap. He said like our cars were crap, our paint was crap, our, our carpentry was crap, <laughs> just everything in Canada is crap. It's like, we kept telling us like, well, if it's, we're making you so miserable, why don't you just go back? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, I would say things are so different, right? They're yeah. like, you know, definitely... I know couple couple of guys they they moved back, um, so they actually brought, brought uh, spray guns. And now people, when you spray like an exterior of the of the building, you know people are just looking. They never saw that before. Like it, <laughs> definitely, definitely big big change, big yeah. change. Now to switch over big time, you know. Um, do they have like technical training in uh, in Croatia? Like, like do like if you're apprenticing under someone, like do you eventually wind up going to like a college to to study more? Uh, are you talking about trade, like trade people? in the trade? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I, uh, I didn't go. I, I know a lot of guys. They they just you know. You know, it's, it's, it's about school, right? But you, you don't get, like, back home, you don't get the knowledge about trades in the school, right? It's mm -hmm. everything you get on the field, right? So not even, like, back, like, here, I know you, if you have, like, an, if you're an apprentice or you have, like, a red seal, it's a big time, you know? Yeah. Back home, nobody asks you for that. They just ask you to if you know to do the job, right? Right. So you can have a school to be a tile setter, but, again... If you don't know how to lay tiles, it doesn't matter, right? So, well, there are some pretty, pretty excellent tile setters in in Europe, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like I said, they're not particular about the school so much, right? Okay. So, and then uh, the experience that you got back home, like, was that a family business, a renovation business that you're a part of, or were you just an employee? No, I I, I opened my own business. So, oh, cool. Most of what we did, most of what we did, it's it was uh, drywall installation, mud tape, and uh, and painting, mostly painting, right? So that's why you've got uh, you got your taping skills, I guess, because like most most painters out here are really hesitant and scared to touch drywall, mud, and tape. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas yeah. everyone raves about you and your your drywalling abilities, which I was like, huh, that's that's a rare a rare it's skill in a painter. Yeah, probably John Jones, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of holes for him, but uh, yeah, I, I can do a good taping job, but. Uh, I wouldn't prefer to do big taping job and I'm not that quick. Right. So no, no. Well, that's something I'm uh, like on another, another time outside the podcast, I have to pick your brain about, cause again, like we're okay at it, but I mean, <laughs> bigger, even smaller jobs. I, I you know, I, I'd like to have someone who's like going to be uh, what's, what's the term, you know, their it's their wall so they're going to be very particular about it because they they know they're going to put the, the paint on top of it so that that would be uh it would be kind of economical i guess for to have someone who could do like a taping on a smaller project like fix up all the walls and then do all their painting because again like if they paint over it they're accepting their own work <laughs> yeah. you know a couple corner beads and couple you know a couple sheets of drywall that's okay right yeah there's nothing wrong with it but like uh, I, I wouldn't take a big taping job right yeah so it, so you have to be today in like i said if, if today if you want to make money you have to be quick and efficient right yeah that's what it oh is. yeah 
big time. I mean, they're only making the tools to make make that happen, really, at the end of the day. Like like you said, with the sprayer guns and and uh, the taping tools, like everything's almost getting to the point where it's automated. And I guess like you and I may be a little bit scared when the robots take over because they'll, they'll have all the, the roller cages and the tape guns and this, this panel saws and stuff all on robots building everything. <laughs> I think they're going to make a robot that's going to cut into the ceilings, right, with paint. <laughs> It'll definitely be a lot, uh, a lot, a lot steadier than you or I after like either, you know, I always say it's like, I got to have a cup of coffee if I'm going to cut anything in because I don't have my coffee. <laughs> I'm too shaky. <laughs> yeah, but it's like once you started, it's like first couple, you know, streaks that you go slow and then you just go, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, in starting your uh, dream art painting, um like what's the one thing that you wish you would have um would have done when you first started oh my god yeah if if i turn my clock back oh there's a bunch of stuff i would do different right (laughs) of Um, course what's the one main thing though there's always got to be one thing that like you wake up wake up from a bad dream from when i started my first contract um i got a big contract with with boardwalk they went through big renovations and um, what we did, like, like the volume of work was just insane. Right. And uh, I wish I could be more organized and had more, hire more people hourly at that point, you know, get, you know, another vehicle, maybe invest in another vehicle. And, you know, so basically what I did, I had one guy with me working the whole, you know, the whole week. And then, you know, here and there I, I would sub out like, you know, because, but like I said, I, I had the volume to, to run like 10 people. Right. And I yep. didn't. So I had an opportunity to make really, really good money. And, um, you know, but that's how it is. Right. When you start your business, it's like, you know, our experience and, you know, there's always fear and uh, definitely I would do different some, you know, a lot of stuff I would do different, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's always the other thing too, like the, the other side of the coin to that, like investing in like extra vehicles and more manpower. It's like, then you think it's like, well, you know, six months later, that's when things slowed down. Right. And then you have all this extra, extra expense, right. That you would have maybe, maybe wouldn't have been able to carry, uh, you know, the, the size we are now, we can carry a lot less, you know, six, seven months, as opposed to like if you had way more overhead, like maybe you could only carry the business maybe like two, three months. Right. So it's always one of those things. It's like you will you will never know unless you actually experience it. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, definitely. If, if I if I turn my clock back and like only three, four years back and it's like how I did my accounting so bad. and uh, I could have done this marketing I could have done that and you know there's a bunch of things you can do I'm telling you Chris you gotta you gotta read the uh profit first contracting book like it uh everything in there like this is the you'll read it and he's like I've done every single one of these mistakes I may have not even repaired some of these mistakes yet like it's it's one of those books that definitely uh definitely will help um and that's a free plug to profit first contracting I'll definitely look yeah. into it. Look into it. Even if you just download a sample too, like off Amazon or something like that, then at least you know you you haven't you haven't spent the ten bucks buying the book because it might not be for you, right? So um, but uh for trades guys like business owners, like it's it's definitely worth worth the read. Even if you only get halfway through it, that first half is like game changer. But I mean that's how it is. Like everybody has to, you know, kind of you know experience all the mistakes on 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 yourself yeah you got to <laughs> that's, it is, right? that's part of life that's that's my, what makes you you know makes you a, a good businessman at the end you know yeah you know where you make a mistake and uh you know it's just just a good experience right so what's uh what's a myth that you find that uh that uh, about painting in general or your business in general that you want to de- debunk or disprove? Uh, so when it comes to painting, it's, it's, uh, it's a really simple trade for learning the basics. Everybody can learn the basics, mm-hmm. but I would say it's one of the complicated 
if you do interior, then yeah, but there's like exterior, there's staining, there's stuff, you know, there's different stuff. So I would say I learn every day something new. There's every paint reacts different. Every paint feels different. Every paint di covers different. Um, there's like so many things to learn, right? It's like every day, every day I learn something new. Yeah. Awesome. Now, now I would definitely say that's a pro for someone wanting to join like the painting trade, but what else, what else, what would you, what would you give as advice to someone like considering becoming a painter? Like what, what advice would you give them? Oh, well, I would, um, I don't know. You, you, you just have to love something, right? If you, if, if you love what you do, then then you'll definitely succeed, right? What would I suggest? It's hard to tell. Um, are we talking about like new guys? They want to start painting business or something? Um, no, actually, I'm hoping because there's definitely always a shortage of, of skilled, skilled, uh, skilled trades. And I know um, I've been seeing this as uh, headlines and little ads uh, the government of Alberta really wants to try and boost the local economy because of how poor it is. And, and a great way to do that is trying to get the youth interested in, in working in Alberta industries, right? So like working in the trades, right? Like we really need to get the next generations of trade people going because they're they're probably the ones that are going to make uh, make money outside of the tech world, like huge sums of money, because there's going to be nobody doing it and they're going to charge whatever they want. <laughs> really, well, right? Well, I do agree. Like, like uh, if you're a good tradesman, you don't have to worry about not, you know, there's always work going to be. People yeah. are always going to do renovations, including painting, right? So... I, I think I think if you're a good tradesman, then you know you don't have to worry about your future, right? Right. It's definitely if you're a business owner, it definitely needs um, a couple of years to get years. into it. commitment. Yeah, but uh, again, it's if you're doing good work and if you're an honest person, like we all do make mistakes, right? And I personally, I do make mistakes, even yeah. if I, you know. But it's all about if you come back and 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 want to fix it, right? Yeah, make it right. So. So job by job, referral by referral, you know, every job matters. And, you know, you know, you can do hundred good jobs, but then you do one bad, those hundreds probably, you know, it's like having hundred good reviews, you get one bad and it, you know, all those hundreds fall down. Right. It's so I would definitely, definitely, you know, suggest young people to join into the trades. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say though, even, even when you do make a mistake or you, you know, you have a client that's not hundred uh, percent happy with something. I mean, you, the first instinct is to like mope about it essentially. But I mean, if you can get anybody, even like your employees to look at anything like that as a more of a, of, of an opportunity to learn and, and prove yourself and turn it into a good situation, like, nine times out of 10, like the client's going to turn, turn that, uh, that idea of you around and say, you know what, like this could have went sideways in a hurry, but like they stuck, stuck to their word, their guarantee made it right. And, you know, five stars, five stars, Google way to go. Like the, that's, that's how you got to look at those types of things. And, uh, Oh, I'm guilty of it too. When I see a phone phone uh, number on my, on my phone and sometimes the first instinct of looking at a phone number a particular phone number is like oh boy what's wrong now right but really it's it should be you know what what, what how how can i how am i going to make this even better if it's like uh, uh not a great situation i don't i mean yeah, i don't know about you i don't get too many of them so it's like when something's wrong they, they usually catch me really off guard so <laughs> You know, we all do mistakes and, you know, not every job turns out, you know, the way you want it. But like I said, if, if you have a good will to come back and fix stuff, that's so important, right? Yeah. To keep the customer happy, right? Yeah, so I agree. I agree at the end of the day. Um, well, I'm, the next part I wanted to touch on a little bit in this podcast is, is um, you know, 
just painting in general on its own. Um, you know, I, I was looking at your website and you've got a long list of, uh, of capabilities and skills that you've got there. Um, is there any you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, the two that I've kind of had planned is, and that always interests me is, uh, cabinetry repainting and uh your cork coatings but like before we get into that was there anything else in in painting that that you wanted to to speak to well we can we can you know we can go over uh, of, of each of each service we offer we can go over and you know discuss a couple couple things um <laughs> okay so basically we i i love to do exteriors this is my favorite favorite oh, interesting yeah, kitchen cabinets, probably my second, second favorite, um, you know, just transforming the kitchen and, you know, make from, you know, old oak, make a nice, nice finish, right? The Alberta special, the golden oak, <laughs> the golden oak. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then this is like completely different, like back home, uh, we, nobody refinished kitchen, we get like, you know, they just order like, you know, melamine uh, finished kitchen and that's pretty much it right yeah. nobody there's no material on the kitchen you can refinish right so yeah definitely nice you know when you can uh literally transform right because kitchen is actually kitchen and the bathroom is one of the you know you know you do renovation these are the features right yeah of your house right so to change a kitchen it's a big thing i think yeah. it's number one right yeah oh yeah it's uh i mean if you look at it from maybe like a size to cost proportion, like a bathroom so much smaller, but it's, it's expensive to do right. Um, so if you look at like what it costs probably per square foot from a bathroom to what it costs for a kitchen, they're probably the same, but I mean, you're dropping, if you're doing it right, you're dropping a big chunk of money into new cabinetry, if that's the route you can go. But if you've got nice looking cabinets and a, in a, you know, a properly planned and designed kitchen, I mean, I'd say, yeah, refinish those those cabinets. Like let's let's bring them to the twenty first century. That's twenty five percent of the full price what you would pay for the kitchen. There you go. Yeah, even less. I would say maybe twenty percent. Right. Yeah. But, uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the process of uh, refinishing cabinets. Uh, I know I have an idea in my mind of how maybe it should be done, but I'm not a painter, so it might not be accurate. So I'll I'll give the quick spiel about what I think it should be how it should be done and then you tell me how wrong i am <laughs> and then we'll go from there like essentially like when i see cabinetry like i think okay well obviously obviously you gotta remove a little bit of the original finish right because like if it's a really uh semi-gloss smooth finish like your your paint's not gonna uh adhere properly so obviously there's gonna be some prep work you know whether it's a little bit of sanding filling if there's some cracks and stuff like that and then in my mind i'm thinking like it's a four coat process pretty much is what it should be. So you got your primer coat, couple finish, uh, and maybe a urethane or like a clear coat if, if it's not already inside the original finished product. So that's what I've got kind of in my mind. Obviously we're taking off all the hardware and, and setting up some spray area. Um, you know, if you can do it on site, it's probably far better than having to try and like ship stuff from you know the job site to like a shop or stuff like that so that's kind of what i have envisioned for uh kitchen refinishing now you tell me how crazy that idea was <laughs> no no um no you're not far away so what i do i i have uh, i have racks yeah uh which i which i transfer to the customer i usually everybody has a garage right which yeah. i can use as a spray boot so what i do i poly off all the walls and then um I cover the floors, of course, and then I bring my uh, my table, spring table. And um, today you actually have a technique that you can apply primer on both sides. Oh, cool! So that's that's the new with the new rock system. You literally can do one coat of primer on both sides at once and leave it to, to dry, right? Um, when it comes to the procedure, what is what is really important? So first, it's cleanup, right? If it's a used kitchen, you have to clean it, right? There should be no grease, right? right. So unexperienced people, what they do, they start sanding, and what they actually do, they push the grease into the huh. into the into the doors, right? Yeah. 
which is a big no-no. Um, next step is scuff sanding, right? To get that little bit rough surface. Yeah. Then um, third step, it, it, it's applying primer. So what I like to use, uh, especially if it's an oak, oak kitchen or a, a stained kitchen, um, shellac-based primer is the best because uh, it has a, like an amazing bonding abilities. Um, but as well, it's, it's also like a stain blocker. Yeah. So you won't get any yellowing through it, right? So this is re really important. And then next step is basically sanding it again, the primer. Sanding it again, the primer, cleaning again. Yeah. And then you basically spray uh, what I like to use is, is a urethane-based, um, modified-based um, spray finish. Um, and that's pretty much it. And so, I think, just to throw my comment, I, I think, like you said, I think that's usually a, a huge thing that's forgotten is just like cleaning the area to be painted. Like I completely forgot, like you're probably what, do you're using TSP or is there something a little more advanced now that you're like, cleaning stuff with? I like to use goof off. Did you hear about goof off? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's an amazing, you know, yeah. it, it grease stains everything right whatever and that's a big step too like with any painting project like when even when you're doing like new drywall like most people don't sand after the the primer coat and you can you can see instantly who <laughs> who prepped the wall properly yeah. right <laughs> did you have a chance to do any uh custom mdf showing uh yep that's a bad one then bear they had a, like a bear mdf right yeah it's not white so this is one of the you know that, that's a lot of work so basically what you have to do you have to prime it then actually you do the caulking and filling holes then mm -hmm. you prime it and then you have to sand it okay. and you spray it and then you sand it and then you spray it again yeah that's a lot of work right oh yeah yeah the mdf is so rough right <laughs> like you can literally put paint on top but why you put primer? Because you want to smooth it up that uh, that yeah. surface, make it like glass, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Huge. Like that's uh, like even even in some cases, like some trim and baseboard, like even though it comes prime from the factory, you still gotta you you still have to sand the whole entire surface because like even though it's a machine oh, sprayed, like the machine screws up or it's I uh, got. Uh, there's always an issue or the grain raised or like there's a, a finger joint that wasn't the uh, you know finished off properly like that's all about, that's that's the big that's the big difference between like a quality project and you know a production job i guess right 100 a good painter is going to always sand in between coats even yeah. if you do a repaint job you should always pull sand your walls right yeah so because uh, no wall is perfect, right? There's roller marks from previous painters. You know, there's, you know, if it was painted a couple of times, you get an orange skin. You want to have a nice, smooth wall, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the tip I really like that you had mentioned was um, uh, going down a sheen in, uh, in painting your walls just because, like, after, you know, 25 plus years of repaints and damage and stuff like that, like, there's a lot of imperfections that you can't really get rid of without doing a brand new either doing a level five coat or like brand new drywall right like and who wants to do that like extend your renovation another couple days well that would be the level five version but uh like taking out all the drywall to try and get perfect walls if you got the money and the patience i guess do it but a lot of people they don't know that the technology went up right it was pretty much standard to use actual on the walls right what are you yeah. going to use on the walls it's going to be actual right today you don't need to use actual anymore you can use yeah. lower sheens and they're still going to be highly washable right so yeah oh, definitely I attest to that. I tried it out in, in a room in our, in our house and like, definitely like going from the walls where I did eggshell to the walls that go, goes flat. Like the, it definitely hides far better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What's well, that sheen, right? That sheen, like you get a little ridge and it's, it looks like the grand Canyon on your wall or something like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's all about the lighting, right? The lighting, you know, you have a strong lighting, you, you're going to have a, you're going to have to do a better job. Right. So that's what it is. Well, we, I did it the, the like the the other way around. Like when I was doing all my work, I had poor lighting, and I was doing a lot of the work at night because it was in my own house. And so I was like really worried that I was gonna have like lots of things that I missed. But um, I mean, 
after the first code, I was like, holy smokes. Like, like I, I knew where all the imperfections were because I got lazy in the areas that were going to get covered by cabinetry. But even those areas, unless you were staring at it for like five minutes and you were closer than six feet, you could barely see any of the, the little minor imperfections, right? So, but you, uh, I better you, say this on the podcast. I would never do that on a client's house ever. That's uh, you try and give everything 110% and, uh, you know, also try and be economical with their money, right? You're not going to spend, you're not going to spend uh, three and a half hours trying to get the inside of a closet. Perfect. Right. (laughs) But but it's all about prep work, right? When it comes to painting, it goes quick and it's easy. Right. But if you don't do the prep properly, it's not going to look good. Right. Everybody can paint. Right. But just a good painter is going to give you a nice finish. Right. Nice straight lines. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about exteriors. Cause like, like I said, like you're one of the rare painters that say, say they like working on the exterior of the homes or on the exterior paint projects. So um, I want to touch on like the, you know, the, the kind of paint projects that you really like uh, on the exterior, but also I want to, I want you to talk a little bit about your cork coatings. Cause it's actually an interesting product that you're, you're starting to do here in Yeg. So let's start with the painting side of it thing of uh, things anyways what what are the the, what are the favorite exterior projects like i'm sure you don't like just painting like masonry (laughs) cinder block walls on the back of uh commercial complexes (laughs) definitely residential exteriors um you know because you know most of the houses here when when people they have their old stucco and uh literally to do that transformation right to put a color right and you know and and from the beginning when you come to the customer and then you know you suggest colors and you know just to make that change it's it's beautiful right yeah. you know um to do uh like what i like you know always take take pictures before and then pictures after right so to see that transformation right that's that's uh that's something i love right and um and as well, like finishing, like, you know, me and my guy usually, you know, finish a house in a day or two, right? And then people are just, you know, they're just looking and they just can't believe what we did, like that amount of work in one day, right? So. It's a process uh, though, right? It is. It's a lot of masking, taping, you know, but there's like, you know, there's tricks and procedures how you can, you know, literally, um, so basically, when it comes to the to to, um, I seen a lot of guys that they take tape off the soffit, right? So what I usually do, I I, I go before my every exterior job, I go to um, collect some cardboards, I cut my cardboards and I use them as a shield. Nice. When I spray, right? Yeah. And once they once they get soaking up, you can just throw them away, right? Yeah. So there's there's uh, definitely tricks what you can use, you know um well that's gonna be the hard thing sometimes because sometimes the, like the soffit is so dusty and dirty like you probably spend more time actually like trying to clean oh, yeah. it off and get it to stick than actually masking yeah but definitely yeah every every exterior job you have to pressure wash yeah there's there's like uh there's no way you can put you know you want to put paint on uh you know especially in a stucco that has like uh you know like you know, 25 years of grime. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to put paint on that, right? Which this would be a crime, right? It's again cleaning, right? It's a clean cleaning pre- preparation. It's all about preparation, right? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Um, now there's technology out there for painting vinyl siding. Um, my question for that, like I'm I, I'm kind of I'm 90% on board on the idea. But is there kind of like an age limit to vinyl siding that you should paint? Like if the vinyl siding's like has been installed in the 70s and 80s, is that too old to, to repaint? Well, you can definitely check out before you start. If it's brittle, then it's, you know, then it's not good anymore, right? If okay. it's brittle, right? Yeah. So if, if it still has flexibility, you know, I, I would say you're good to go, right? Yeah. And... um I had a I had a customer like two days a couple of days ago. I went uh, I was out of the city, so that was his fourth quote, and um, he had like a fascia on his shop and on his house, 
made out of vinyl siding. And I was just astonished, like what people were suggesting to do with the vinyl siding and what paint to use. <laughs> Not even vinyl compatible? Like, what is yeah. it, Williams? Is it rejuvenate or something like that? And that's because they don't know, right? Because some guys, they stick only, let's say, they're only Cloverdale guys, right? So they know only what Cloverdale sells, right? Yep. So that's why I like, you know, everybody wants to give me a deal, but I like to, you know, take, you know, everybody has their own materials, right? So with the vinyl siding, definitely Sherwin-Williams has their um, their only product that's vinyl, vinyl safe. Yeah. So they give you warranty. When I go, come to the customer, I paint the vinyl siding, he gets a warranty, right? Yeah. So if something happens, we'll, we'll cover the cost, like to exchange nice. a vinyl siding, yeah. right? And um, that's really important, right? So basically how that paint works is uh, they don't use any black colorants. Yeah, so, it's all um, it's all light colors, right? Yeah. So there's a there's a, a, a certain limit, but choosing colors. But uh, like I said, I did last year. I did a vinyl siding. They had like a, almost like an off white, and they went to dark gray. Uh, it was, I believe, somewhere in August. So we had temperature twenty five to thirty degrees, right? Mm -hmm. And um, after I painted that siding, I, I literally put my hand on it, and it was not even not even close to be warm right so it didn't attract the sun and that's really important right yeah so just use regular paint on a siding would attract more sun it would just bulk and wrap and yeah yeah and you'd have flaking paint <laughs> and it's like would you would you that, that's something you know would you would you give this kind of job to any any guy I don't think so, right? No, no, it's it's a, it's a sizable investment on on the exterior. So, like when you're using that product, it's got to be done right. It's same like you know, if someone refinishes your kitchen, right? You don't want to see brush marks or peeling paint, and I see everything. <laughs> right? You know, and then customer called me, and I came in, you know, I was like, okay, and I said, you know what? You might have to buy a new kitchen. Oof, and I was like. To, it's not even repairable anymore to strip yeah. this and sand it's like it would cost you like a new kitchen yeah you know, oh so. it's that's always like that's always like the worst conversation to have with with a customer who's like dead set on salvaging something and it's like no like like it's too far gone like like there's nothing that can be done with with this kitchen or this exterior like you you have to start from scratch and then that's where like the anguish, I guess, kind of shows up. It's like, well, I, I can't afford, you know, $17,000 to replace the entire exterior of, of my house. Or I can't, you know, you know, a kitchen, kitchen cabinetry just on its own is like 15 grand. Right. So, I mean, that's, it's pricey. It's, it's if you go to Ikea, right? Well, Ikea, Ikea, then like you can, you can spend as little seven, I guess, but uh, you still, you either you're assembling it and installing it yourself or you're, you're still paying someone. Like, I think that's sometimes people forget that cost is like, it comes in a box that you have to take apart and assemble as opposed to like kitchen cabinetry. It's technically all pre, like it's all pre-built. And that's, that's, that's part of the, the expense is like, man having people even, build it right even if i if i buy a small piece of furniture oh like i spend i spend uh, like uh, we bought a king size bed um and i spent a little a day to assemble it it was so many parts and you know what and i said you know the, the guy that would come there and assemble it would cost like probably 150 bucks yeah and I said, next time I'm going to make that investment. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Well, I feel bad for those, those rural people that buy Ikea stuff and they drive four and a half hours up north because they don't get that option to have someone come and assemble it for them. So they're like, they're like us stubborn guys. Like, yeah, I can do it. I can follow the instructions. And then an eight hour day later, it's like, oh, I'm too tired to put the box spring and the mattress on. I'm going to sleep on the floor. <laughs> yeah. For a guy that does it every day, right? Every yeah. day. It's a over right it's like me i can put floors right yeah. but i need so much time right you know oh yeah don't make money you know it's that hard it's hard to find that balance right like especially for us like when we're doing a bathroom like i try and lump in all the flooring uh, under one contract because like to have like us someone coming to do the tile and then someone like us do the flooring or 
like I can do the towel work. I'm pretty meticulous at it, but it's just, it takes me far longer. Like it'll, it'll take me three days as opposed to two days for a towel setter. And, and the only reason it's, there's that second day is because he has to come in and grout, right? <laughs> like they just have it down to a science. It's always a two day job. Yeah. Yeah. It's always... Well, let's talk, let's talk about that cork uh, coatings uh, that uh, that you've yeah. got. Like it's it's definitely an, an, a new th- newer thing to the area. So tell tell us from the start, like what is it? Um, what's what does it do? What are the pros of it? Um, what applications are you looking to to throw it on? So basically, like I want to do a little bit, start a little bit from the background. So why why did I start a business was uh, basically me struggling to, uh, you know, be in a competitive business like painting, right? Um, You literally have to be the best in order to get jobs, right? And uh, I wanted to find a product that I can literally a little bit stand out, right? And be, you know, so last year, me and my partner, we got a license. We paid for the license, and we got certified to um, to be one of the rarest uh, um, Alberta certified applicators. Yeah, and um, the product is just amazing. Like um, you know, um, being a, a coating, and then still have all the benefits that uh, has a cork as a natural product. It's uh, it's just amazing, right? So. Why is it amazing? Because of all the benefits. So it's um, it's a thermal uh, it's a thermal insulator. So how uh, cork works? It's actually create, it creates a thermal break, and um, literally doesn't allow uh, cold or, or heat to penetrate into the building. So one uh, square uh, centimeter of cork has uh, forty thousand air pockets. Um, other benefits include uh, water resistant. Uh, we have a zero uh, testing has shown a zero uh, mold grown onto the product and um, but it's still breathable. Um, and uh, it's 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 one of the f- most durable and flexible uh, flexible products uh, that I've seen so far. So um, only the 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 warranty on the product by manufacturer is is, is 15 years wow. which which is amazing right yeah. Normally, i don't I, I googled a little bit around and um there's only one product that, that offers uh, a little bit more warranty it's like an electromagnetic coating yeah uh and again price per square foot almost the same um but it doesn't give you not a, even as close as benefits um when it comes to the application, like what uh, what I think the product does the best, if we have an old style house that has like a brick or stucco or a wood siding, right? Um, this is actually an, a, an amazing product to put it on the exterior, right? You know, um, just because it's it's uh, after application, it's like it's it's literally the owners have zero maintenance, right? That's that's key. Yeah. That's critical for yeah. a lot of homeowners. So, so only only like if you compare it to like a good paint, um, they're gonna fade like five percent a year. Like with a core coating, it's only one percent. What's the like? Is there quite a wider range of colors? Like, is like any color you can imagine, or is there like a set set color system that uh, you can pick from? So we have a what we got from a, from a distributor. It's it's like 20, 20 29 basic colors, and uh, these are just they come included into the product, whatever customer orders. Um, but we can still do custom match, right? Cool. It would be a little bit on top of the price. Yeah, but it's still doable, right? Yeah. And does is it uh, like is the manufacturer or the tinter here in town, or is that like a special order item? So the they had the, the tint we, we got sh- shipped from uh, Wipec Canada. Okay. Wipec so uh, actually originally started from Spain, and uh, they've been in business for ten or fifteen years. Um, five years ago, I believe Wipec started in Canada, and um, like it's every every day it's getting better and better. Yeah. So now they have they are actually. 
when they harvest the cork, they get shipped from, from the Spain here, and then they actually produce the product here in Canada. Is that where the majority of cork it comes from is Spain, or does it come from, like, I, I, for some reason, I think it comes from South America too, does it not? There, there must be different species of cork tree, I would assume. I know it's Portugal. I know it's Spain. And I believe, uh, I believe Africa. Okay. Yeah. So not 100% sure. I would probably have to do some research. I'll have to throw that in next week's errors and omissions. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it and I'll, I'll, I'll let people know where cork comes from in, in our world. Now, what does it do the actual court? Like, is it kind of like an aggregate? Is it, the, does it reinforce or is it just basically what gives the cork product its texture? Like wh- what does it do in, in, in its product? Uh, so, um, so cork comes in the pails and it comes in uh, in the pail uh, in the pail. It's uh, it's packed in the plastic bag. So what we actually what we actually do? We add an activator, and we need uh, we add colors, colorant, and then we'll mix it um, really really good. So really really important is, is the consistency, right? Okay. Um, how it gets applied? We have a we have a big uh, Greco sprayers. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it literally gets applied like a texture. Right. Um, two coats of um, thickness one eighth of an inch. Okay. And I actually, say it's it it it, it actually replaces uh, uh, three inch of, of styrofoam. Oh wow! Just because of the thermal break that it uh, it provides it essentially. Works a little bit different. It works a little bit different than um, it works a little bit different than than styrofoam, yeah. right? So I think you said it's also that's uh, it works as an it's breathable, but it's also like an is it an air barrier or a vapor barrier? So it's it's it, it is breathable, it is breathable and it's water resistant. Um, but wouldn't I guess it wouldn't fall under any either of those categories? I guess at the end of the day, but the fact that like cork naturally has air pockets in it, that's why that's why it has a. An R, well, uh, uh, my, like uh, R1, I think, is what you had mentioned the other day. R1, it's, it's yeah. a lower uh, R value, but it have a, has like a higher U and K value. Okay. So it's actually working a little bit different, right? There's, um, there's, a, there's a, they, they build up uh, a little house, which they literally put cork on, on top. And uh, they divided that little house into, into, um, in two rooms. So what they actually do in the bottom room, uh, they put a heat source and uh, they put another temperature measurement on the top. So literally we had 70 degrees in the bottom. On the top room, we had like 40 degrees. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so that's how we, so that's our next plan. We're probably gonna build up some boxes. And uh, once you go to uh, present the product to the customer, I think this is going to be a good feature, right? To show yeah. that to break, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely an interesting thing. We'll have to we'll have to touch more on it. Maybe we'll because uh, I I know you have a partner. Maybe we'll have a, a round table one of these days where we'll we'll talk more about the construction industry, but we'll we'll definitely touch on on the cork as well. Yeah, and, and this is definitely like you know we you know we you can you know, implement and, and, and quoting your, your, your customers, right? Yeah. You know, so. So what's your coding, what's your core coding business, cork coding business called? What, what do you guys call it? Called YG Codings. YG Codings. And uh, you service the Edmonton and greater region? Well, we'll definitely for the cork, we would definitely be able to travel. There's like only four applicators in, in the whole Alberta. So oh, wow. we have to cover the, the uh, the the area yeah and, um, but like I said every every job um, like you know it's only we can get a job done in three days right Sweet. so once you get all the masking done you know in a, in a warmer periods of uh, summer um, you can get two coats in one day because of the quicker drying time in, in between coats right right now. Uh... I think uh, I think uh, we're we're just about out of out of time here. So I want to give you the opportunity here to to plug plug your stuff, plug your uh, your social media stuff, your web page. Like uh, 
let us know. Are you, are you on Facebook? Uh, what's your tag in Instagram or, uh, are you on Twitter? Like give us, give us everything you got. Okay. So, so we have a web page. Um, so I have a web page, dream art painting, and then we have a web page, uh, YG coatings. Um, so both businesses, we have a Facebook page. Uh, we have an Instagram and, um, now we're starting into getting more into the LinkedIn. Sweet. Good move. If you're a fan of uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, that's, uh, that's, that's all he spouts about is getting into LinkedIn because he says it's like, it's like the last organic playground uh, on the web. And uh, to get in touch with you, what is the best way for people to, to reach out and contact you? Oh, anything like phone or email or, you know, Everything works, right? Okay, well, I'll, I'll make sure I put the phone and email in the uh, show notes so they can get in touch with you. Uh, but other than that, I, I think we're, we're at the end of our uh, our podcast. Well, I wanted to thank you very much, Chris, for being my first guest. You were uh, a very excellent guest. So you're going to be setting the bar really high for my next guest. So a breakthrough, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. Uh, the, the eventual plan is like when we get further along, like uh, when we when we have uh, some round tables where we have, you know, maybe one or two other guys and we're just talking about stuff, um, you know, maybe having a beer or two or something. Maybe maybe some hilarity will ensue. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again, Chris. And uh, we we were we'll be glad to have you on the show again. Thank you so much, Kyle. There you have it. Thanks again, Chris Novacki of Dream Art Painting for joining us on our podcast and talking all things painting and business. If you really enjoyed that conversation, let us know. Drop us a comment or a message either through our email or however you listen to your podcast. As well, we want to hear more about your thoughts on our podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to whatever podcast platform you listen to. As well, we will be coming to you again next week with another guest or just me just rambling about my thoughts of the construction business. So we will look forward to bringing you our podcast again next week. And we hope you enjoy the Easter long weekend and everybody stay safe out there. You're listening to a dynamic, innovative podcast.